Last week, we kind of started, so I'm going to give you like a 30-second recap just so I can kind of catch you up. We, looked, we spent the whole time last week in Hebrews chapter 11. If you know, know anything about Hebrews chapter 11, it's where God gives out some Oscars or he gives out some medals for people who use their faith to do great things. And uh, faith in the dictionary, if you looked it up, it would come off as being a noun. And most people, whenever they talk about their faith, they say, I have faith, as if faith is a noun. But faith is not a noun. It's really a verb. Who cares what West, Web, uh, Webster says? That if you look in Hebrews chapter 11, faith is a verb. There's, there's an act to it. And uh, my pastor always taught me, he said, faith moves God. Faith moves mountains. But faith won't move anything unless it moves you first. Faith moves God. Faith moves mountains. But faith won't move anything unless it moves you first. So we just went down through Hebrews chapter 11. The first person in there is a person named God. How many of y'all have heard of him? So the first example of faith is God. The first expression of faith is it says God commanded in other words whenever God saw that the earth was void and, f and without form and there was gross darkness on the earth you know this is where Darwin people would say it's the big bang but we know that this is where God stepped out and he didn't say wow it's dark out here he didn't say wow this is a mess he stepped out in adversity and he said light be and it was so God said something then he saw something and then he said again he said uh, you know uh Trees be, and then he saw what he said. Cows be, and then he saw what he said. And we know the, the passage here that God sa he, he, he said what he saw, not what he saw. How many y'all know what that means? How many y'all know you can have a picture in your heart? I mean, I have a dream for my kids, but they aren't old enough to be in the dream that I have for them. So I see them with the eyes of my heart, not just with the eyes in my head. Most of the time, we, we say what we see, right? This is horrible. I'm broke. I'm single or I'm whatever. We state what we see, but God doesn't do that. God always calls those things that be not as though they were light be boom and it was so God he commanded the first person was God the first expression was he hooked his mouth up to his speaker he hooked his speaker up to his believer I mean I used to have some some twelves in your Ford Festiva <laughs> boom I mean I had that and you'd hit, you, you would be bumping so hard, boom, there would be a short, right? Your speaker would come loose. And it's like, oh, man, <laughs> got to pull over and hook my speaker back up. I got I to hook it back up, right? And lots of times, how many of y'all know that, that we, get, we go through some bumps, right? And things get messed up between our speaker and our believer. Wires get crossed and we start saying things the way we see them instead of the way that we see them. But faith is, is doing it this way. I, I didn't mean to get hung up there, but that was the first one, right? And but then the Bible says that Abel gave an offering. Sarah believed the promises. Noah built 
a boat. Jacob bowed. Joseph blessed. And there's a list of all these people, and it was their faith in action. In other words, they didn't have a passive faith where they just sat there and did nothing. No, they had a faith that was moving them forward in the will of God. They were going somewhere. So that's the faith that we need, right? We don't need passive, come to church, check that off of our list. No, we need faith that outside of these walls is going somewhere. It's saying something. It's believing something. It's possessing some ground. It's taking things over. How many of y'all can I get an Amen. That's, what, that's the type of faith that we need to have. But I want to talk to you. I want to show you a couple of scriptures this morning about the speaking part of faith and about the, the importance of your words, the importance of your mouth. Because this is really a, a huge part of faith because most people are really good on Sunday. On Sunday, it's, everything is hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Isn't God good today? He is good. How many of y'all know that can wane by Tuesday? Thank you, Keith. Thank you, Keith. That can wane. Things can change by Tuesday, by Wednesday. On Sunday, God can do anything. On Monday, does he even exist? Right? It's like, is there anybody in there? Just not if you can hear me. Is there anyone home? Y'all didn't know I knew that, did you? I did, I knew that. Some of you are like, what's he doing? It's just an old song, don't worry about it. (laughs) On Monday can be the real test of our faith. And and one of the first verses I want to show you, it's in your worship guide, James chapter 1, verse 26. It's on the right side of your worship guide. It says, if you claim to be religious, but you don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself. I'll read that again for you just because I knew y'all would like it so much. If you claim to be religious, but you don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. The, the other verse, Proverbs 18, 21 says, life and death are in the power of the tongue and those that love it will eat the fruit of it. Very important passages of scripture here where the Bible teaches us life and death are in the power of what? Power of the tongue. The Bible says you can choose this day whom you shall serve. Choose life or death. Choose blessing or cursing. God gives us a choice. And the, the, the thing that's up under your nose, your mouth, is a big determining factor with the direction of your life, the direction of your marriage, the direction of your kids, the direction of your finances. What happens in this little two-inch gap right here makes such a huge impact on your life. You'll either have life or death, and he says you're going to eat the fruit of it. And it's either going to be bitter fruit or it's going to be sweet fruit. And fruit has seeds. In other words, it reproduces itself. It multiplies So the words that you speak, they have a multiplying effect. The words that I speak on my kids, it multiplies. It becomes a part of them and then they carry that on with them. Words are containers. They carry things. Each one of us, your words, they're carrying something. They're either carrying peace or they're they're carrying faith, hope, love, thankfulness, gratitude, or they're carrying depression, sadness, right? Greed, anger, malice. 
Bible says we should put those things away from us. How do we put them away from us? Well, the number one way is going to be with your words. So death and life. Everybody say death. Life. It's in my mouth. And I'll eat the fruit of it. You know, a lot of people, they think, I don't understand why things aren't working out for me. Well, if we could follow you around and see what you're saying on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, it would be a good determining factor I believe scripturally as to why things happen. Whenever I was, grow, I grew up in the 80s and the 90s, there was a, a show called The, the Different Strokes. <laughs> How many of y'all remember Different Strokes? How many of y'all remember Gary Coleman? Yeah. And Willis. How many of y'all remember Willis? Yes. What you talking about, Willis? How many of y'all remember Gary would say that, right? He said, what you talking about, Willis? So whenever Gary would say something that he didn't like, Gary Coleman, how many of y'all remember? He's like four foot tall, real small. How many of y'all remember? Anybody remember Trudy? I mean, I remember Trudy. Go Trudy. Different strokes, right? And, 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 and Gary would say, what you talk about, Willis? And many times whenever I'm talking to people, and many times it's people that have been saved a long time, maybe 20 years, but I listen to their words. And on the inside, I'm thinking, what you talking about, Willis? What you talking about, Willis? Why are you talking like that, Willis? And not to get on them, there's times whenever I say certain things and the Lord says, what are you talking about, Willis? <laughs> he pulls the same card on me. He's like, what are, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Why are you, what are you saying? Death and life are in the power of your tongue. And you're going to eat the fruit of your words. And you're, you know better, preacher. He talks to me real good. You know better, pastor. You know better. And you're talking like that. You're going to eat the fruit of those words. And, and then I got I to gotta backpedal, right? I mean, I know I got to repent too. I say, Lord, forgive me for talking fear. God, forgive me for talking lack. God, forgive me for doubting you. God, I, 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 put, I wash out my mouth. Have you ever got your mouth washed out before? Isn't that pitiful when you wash your kid's mouth out? It's not, it's not that pitiful. It's kind of funny. But <laughs> it is kind of pitiful. You know, you walk them over. I have to walk my kids over to this thing. Say, open your mouth. And you put, you wouldn't think I would do that? Look at Allie. She's like, oh, you're the worst dad in the whole world. But I give them options. I say, you want me to spank you or you want soap in your mouth? They're like, soap? Soap? <laughs> so then you dump that soap in their mouth, right? What are you trying to do? You're trying to, you're trying to educate them on their words, right? You're trying, to, you're trying to get them to talk right. Why? Because words, words they rule us. They, they determine the direction of our life. I want to show you a passage of scripture which is uh, a familiar passage of scripture if you've been in church. Now, if you hadn't been in church or maybe if you were raised Catholic, like I don't know a whole lot about Catholicism. I just don't. I was talking to yeah, one of the Pellerins the, the other day because he's about to be confirmed. And I really, so I was asking him, you know, he's like a 15-year-old kid. And I was like, so what does is, what is confirmed mean? He's like, well, I've been going to these classes since I was like five or six or something. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? We're in Catholic country. I know lots of y'all were raised Catholic, stuff like that. I wasn't, so I don't know a whole, a whole lot about this. But he, he goes through these Catholic classes, and then you become confirmed. And I was trying to get him to explain to me, what does that exactly mean? And he picks a patron saint and all that type of stuff. So if you were raised Catholic, this, this passage and this lingo I'm about to drop on you, this Christianese that I'm about to, about to hit you with, you may not be as familiar with. But if you grew up like in, in other denominations or Baptists or something like that, you, you've heard uh, the saying, uh, be saved. How many of you have ever heard that before? Have you been saved? 
Now, if you aren't a Christian, that's kind of weird. It's like, from what? What does that mean? Is that, I don't quite, or, or you would ask them, have you ever been born again? I mean, I know that's equally weird. To us in the church, we're used to it. We've been around it for 20 years. But if you were just a random person on the street and you walked up to them and they'd never heard anything and you said, have you ever been born again? They look at you like the same way the guy that asked Jesus says, what do you mean be born again? Am I supposed to get back inside my mother? And Jesus is like, no, man, you don't get back in your mother. You're born of the water and of spirit. So Jesus has to explain things to us. How I many y'all know that we need to sometimes explain things to people? We shouldn't just assume that they know what being saved means because you're thinking like if you're a fireman, you're thinking at, from a house fire or what, what, is, what is this that we're talking about? But if you've been around church for a while, you understand what an altar call is. How many of y'all know what an altar call is? Raise your hand if you know what Romans Road of Salvation is. Anybody know that one? Some of y'all know what the Romans Road of Salvation. The Romans Road of Salvation, I'll just break it down to you real quick, is it's the, the, the most important journey you'll ever go on is the Romans road of salvation. And this is a way that we would lead people to salvation. Romans chapter three says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans chapter five says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Then you have Romans chapter six, Romans chapter eight, Romans chapter 10, I don't have time to go through all of them. But then you would bring them to this passage of scripture here and this is typically an altar call scripture in other words at the close of a christian service they would they use this verse a lot or this is where being saved comes from this verse how you get saved comes from this verse right here maybe you've seen on tv even somebody like joel osteen he says if you ask Jesus into your heart, say this after me. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of all my sins. Friend, if you say that, we believe you got born again. Find a good Bible-based church. Serve Jesus with all your heart and something else. I forget what else he says. How many of y'all heard that before? Come on, y'all all been there? Y'all all heard that before? My, my man, Joel. What's he doing there? Joel is, or not just him, but at this church on Sunday, all across America, that people will use this, these words, you need to be saved. You need to be born again. And they'll tell them the way that you get saved is you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and thou shalt be saved. Everybody knows that scripture. I want to read this scripture to you. And today is not about salvation. Today's about your words. But I want you to see this in maybe a different way that you've never seen this before. Because we use this verse in the church for one reason. And that's to get people saved. But how many of y'all know whenever Paul was writing this to the Romans. He wasn't writing this as a close to a Sunday morning service. He wasn't writing this as a way to close out a Christian broadcast. Whenever the Apostle Paul is penning these words, he's not like, okay, now this is the way it works, y'all. You're going to need a couple upbeat songs. Then you want to take it low, y'all. Take it low. Slow it down. Slow the service down. Give them about 28 minutes 
of nothing too crazy preaching now, just some real mild-mannered preaching. Then you want to bring them in. To, you want to close. You're going to land the plane right here in Romans chapter 10. I mean, I know the apostle Paul's not thinking about any of that. He's writing to people in Rome. We were in Rome last year. And the, the Colosseums. And you go to the forums. And, and, and there's the Caesars and all of the stuff. The, the biggest, uh, most sophisticated culture of the day. They were the United States in that time period. They were the powerhouse. Military-wise, they were bad to the bone. And they fell, right? You go over there now and it's, it's a tourist attraction, but Paul is writing to people in Rome. He's not writing to us about how to close a service. And I, what I want you to see here, if you, and you have it in your worship guide, it says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be what? Kate, you got my words? You will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. I'm going to read it to you one more time because I want you to forget about altar call. And I want you to forget about this is a saved scripture. I want you to think about a man writing this in Rome and, and what he's trying to get over to us. Not just talking about going to heaven here. He's talking about a way of life. He's talking about reprogramming the way you think. He's talking about reprogramming the way that you speak. This is a lifestyle changing prayer. Not just a service ending prayer. He's trying to get you to change the way you think. And change the way you talk. That's what he's trying to do. And he's given you the words to do it. He's actually giving you the words to say in every situation of your life. Jesus is Lord. Some translations say Jesus is master. Jesus is the supreme authority. I like Jesus is king. Jesus is king. If you will declare with your mouth, Jesus is king. Jesus is the supreme authority. When you look at your checkbook, you say, Jesus is my master. Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my supreme authority. When you look at your marriage, you call those things. You command and you have faith in your heart. Believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Over every circumstance, over my job, over the economy, over whatever I'm going through, over my automobile. How many ever talked to your car before? Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. I said Jesus is Lord. But how many of y'all know lots of times we don't say Jesus is Lord? <laughs> Thank you, Keith. Keith, you're my favorite. <laughs> Keith is my favorite. He's so transparent. He's like, uh-uh, uh-uh. Give him a blankety blank. I'm not saying that about Keith. But I'm saying how many of y'all know a lot of times that's what we give him, right? Or that's what we give ourselves. Or that's what we give the situation. We give it a good dose of fear. And yet 365 times the Bible says, fear not. We give it a good dose of, I don't know how this is going to work. We give it a good dose of doubt. And yet God says to believe in all things, right? Give thanks in all things. 
if you, if you follow Jesus around, Jesus said stuff like, you're more than a conqueror through him who loved me, gave yourself for you. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Your God will supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that you should walk in them. Over and over and over again, you see how the way that he talks. Where does he get that? He believes in his heart. But he confesses with his mouth. I'm going to read it one more time. It says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is master. So I gave you a blank there. You just put whatever you want in there. If you like master, if you like, I like supreme authority. Jesus is my supreme authority. What are you going to do about that situation? Jesus is my supreme authority. How are you going to do this? How are you going to build a church? How are you going to go there? How are you going to, Jesus is my master. He is my supply. He guides me into all truth, understanding. He goes before me. He makes crooked things straight. It's him. He is it. I mean, I know you can end a lot of conversations with that. Just Jesus is Lord. I mean, I know people get annoyed with you with the Jesus is Lord talk. They will. People get annoyed with you because they're wanting to get a reaction out of you. And if you give them a Jesus is Lord, they're just like, but, but what about, but what about? And you're like, you know what? I trust Jesus. Jesus is Lord. He's master over all. If he can keep the earth on the exact axis so that one degree this way we freeze to death and one degree this way we burn to death, I'm going to go with the guy that's got that in the palm of his hand. I'm going to... I'm going to set my, my confession and my, my thinking with him. Now, I'm saying this like I get this right all the time. Can I just tell you I don't? I just told you a while ago that I have just as much trouble as you do, and I'm a preacher. I'm a teacher. But if I'm having problems with it, I'm thinking you might too every <laughs> once in a while. And I, pre I, 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 I preach this message, something similar to this message, probably once a quarter but you know, and, and sometimes I talk to the Lord. I say, Lord, I just preached that like three months ago. And really, you know, I could probably preach it every other week. And it would do us all a lot of good, right? Because this is a very, this is a thing that, that, that really struggle that, 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 we, that messes us up. In Mark 11, chapter 23, and we've, we've used this last week. We looked at this verse. It says, whosoever shall say... Come on, everybody, count it with me. Shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea, and shall believe in his heart that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Three times he says that you'll have to talk to the mountain, and only one time he says you have to believe something. What does that mean? Well, that means that we need to do three times as much talking as we do believing because everybody in here is pretty good at believing, right? We're all pretty much believers, right? We're all believers, but we aren't all speakers. And there's a difference between believing and speaking. And speaking, sometimes you just need to hear yourself speak the word out loud. Sometimes you just need to. Why? Because James said that the speech center of the brain exercises dominion over the whole body. James said that your speech 
exercises dominion over your whole body. So James is telling us if we can get our speech going the right way, then we can get our body going the right way. If we can get our body going the right way, we can get our mind going the right way. If we can get our mind going the right way, we can get our future going the right way. We can get our marriage going the right way. We can get our kids going the right way. We can get our money going the right way. We can get it all going the right way because our speech exercises dominion over that part of us. So the last passage I want to show you and then I'll let you go is in James chapter 3 and we're going to look at this. James chapter 3 because if, if you read the book of James we're going to read verses 1 through 10. I'm going to read it kind of quick. Come y'all can keep up. Y'all can keep up. Everybody say Jesus is Lord. If you don't get anything else out of today's message I want those three words to be your mantra. I want that to be, what did you learn at church today? Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. That's what I learned today at church. And then this week, whenever, whenever whatever happens to you, and I'm going to show you how to do this at the end of the message, just let that be that comes out of your mouth. Just three words. How many of y'all think you remember three words? Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Master. Jesus is king, which however you want to do it, doesn't matter how you want to do it. But just, I want those three words to, to be, you should get a tattoo. <laughs> just came to me. Thank you, Jesus. Just kidding. If you wanted to, I guess you could. Let's do a bumper sticker. Yeah. Let's do that for all the moms out there. Moms, we're going to do bumper stickers and not tattoos. That's what we're going to do. We're going to do bumper stickers. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Proverbs, or James chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. That's why I'm going to take my job serious. Indeed, we all make many mistakes, but if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect. That word perfect just means mature. If you can control your tongue, you'll be mature. You could also con control ourselves in every other way what do you struggle with what's difficult for you where are you missing it if you could be mature in this area it would affect every other way of your life as a small rudder I'm sorry it says we can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth and a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go. And even though the winds are strong, in the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire. For it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but nobody can tame the tongue. It's restless and evil. It's full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord the Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in his image or in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right four things I want you to write there in your blanks the first thing he said that your tongue is like a horse now I have a horse so I've gotten a new appreciation for him saying that your tongue is like a horse our horse was down at our house 
yesterday because I've gotten in the habit now of just letting the horse out. I just go up there and I just open the gate and I say, be free, horse, be free. And and he gets so happy. I don't know if you ever let a horse out before, but he gets so excited. He just, I can't do a horse hop uh, because that would be strange. But he, he comes frolicking out of the gate and he's so happy and he runs down to the house and he, it's just like, like dances with wolves, like just like a good movie. It's just a beautiful thing. But we were standing there, me and Elizabeth were standing out there yesterday. She says, you don't worry about him not having a rope tied to him or something. And I'm like, babe, he's 31. He's almost dead. He is in the senior years of his life. I mean, he really ain't got no teeth left. His back is swayed, you know. He's been on because he's, you know, he was a rodeo horse, you know, and we just let him, we just feed him. That's all I do is feed the horse, but he's almost like a camel, you know, he's just so swayed back and he's not in pain. He's not hurting anything. He's really thrilled. He really likes us because I feed him all the time. That's all I do is I feed him and he's really happy. But Elizabeth, she says, but, but he doesn't have a bit in his mouth. He doesn't have a bridle in his mouth. I say, yeah, but baby, he's, he's old. If he was a young horse, that wasn't broke yet, and if he was a wild horse, then then there would be uh, concern there because we couldn't control him, right? Couldn't control him. And here he says that your tongue is like a horse. And how I many I know? Once you get older, you should mature in your speaking, right? How I many y'all know it's not always the case? Whenever you're 18, got the tiger by the tail right? You, and you just hadn't broke that horse yet. You, had, you hadn't broke that thing yet. But in, in each one of us, he said, your horse, it, your, your, your mouth is like a horse. And if you don't tame it, if you don't control it, it'll run wild and it can be dangerous. You try to ride a horse that ain't broke and see what happens. I don't even want to be around one. I don't even like to walk around him because I see on YouTube that you can get kicked in the face <laughs> if you walk behind a horse that's not used to being around people, right? How I many of y'all know some people, their mouth is just not broken? And how I many of y'all know you can be a Christian a long time and still with your mouth, I find myself saying, what are you talking about, Willis? Man, you've been a Christian, been married a long time, and you talk to your wife and your kids, and you talk like that about your finances, and you talk like, you just just run wild with your words, just just run wild. He says, if you could learn to control that thing, then that horsepower, it can be really significant. The next thing he says, he says it's like a ship. Ship carries cargo. Ship carries provision. In other words, what we need a lot of times is dependent upon what we say. The way we talk about what we need, the way we talk about our needs, our finances being met, just, just what we need in life. You know, I, mean, I know the Bible says that God will give us everything that pertains to life and godliness. How many ever heard that verse before? The Bible says that. The Bible says that God will provide everything that we need that pertains to life and godliness. And he said, not only is your mouth like a horse, it's also like a ship. And that ship, it can carry a lot of stuff in your life or it can carry a lot of stuff out of your life. And he says that ship is controlled by a rudder. The ship is controlled by the smallest part. And our life is a ship. We're containers and we're going places. But the direction of our life is dependent upon our rudder. It's dependent upon our tongue. The next thing he says, he says your tongue's like a fire. It's like a fire. 
How many of you know just a little, it can, it can start a spark? How many ever, uh, <laughs> if you marry, you know what I'm saying here. You can set, you can set them ablaze, can't you? Boy, I could set her ablaze if I want to, right? How many, <laughs> Ron says, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Just a little fire. How many of y'all know we have this, epi- this stuff going on in schools with social media and teenagers getting on there and just starting sparks on social media? And then you got nine-year-olds hanging themselves. It's, 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 it's so pitiful, so sad. Why? Just words. Just words. Whether you're typing them, whether you're saying them, just it can set, it can burn up somebody's future burn up somebody's life the words that we speak to our kids that we we can just just burn them up come on or we can we can use that fire to refine how many y'all know that not all fire is bad what I love about young people I was just at recently at a church and uh it was a church mixed bag of people about like y'all you know and everybody's standing up and they're doing some worship and it's 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 okay service you know, we got a little clap. A lot of people, though, particularly the guys are like this, you know. You know, and the wife may be like this, whatever. But then they call all these young people down to the front. They said, we want all those that are young to come down here to the front. And all of a sudden, you got like these 11 to 25-year-olds come down to the front, and they're hype. How many of y'all know what I mean by hype? Man, they are juking and jiving. They're excited about Jesus. I mean, they're just like... Come on, they're giving him all he's got. And before you know it, you start to see that kind of spread. Before you know it. And by the time praise and worship's over, you got everybody in the sanctuary. That fire has just spread. Before you know it, you got some white-haired people down at the front. (laughs) Juking for Jesus. You're like, look at him. Now, 10 minutes ago, he was sitting back there with his hands in his pockets. But there was some fire that caught not all fire is bad now. I love fire, right? I, we, I love the fire of God that come in and set ablaze. Come on, kids that come back from camp on fire. They get their whole family saved. Kids come back from camp and go into their school and start a, a, a small group in their school at lunchtime. There may only be two people there, but then that fire. Boy, man, by the end of the school, you got, man, we have 14 people here. got three people got saved. Man, just young person on fire, old person on fire, not on fire. The last thing he says is your tongue can be poisoned. Hitler convinced those people to kill six million Jews. How do you convince a nation to kill six million Jewish people just with words. He didn't put a gun to nobody's head. Just words. Just words. But boy, it made, made things poisonous. So our word, James tells us here, he says, listen, man, he says, words, they count. What you say, it counts. So I'm going to give you the last thing is how do I control my words? First thing is, is slow down. Slow down. How many of y'all remember count to ten? How many of you remember that? In, in grade school, they tell us, don't hit them, count to 10. <laughs> don't hit them, count to 10. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, bam! <laughs> Just kidding, that wasn't me. That wasn't me. But they want you to count to 10. Why? Well, there's, it's, actually, it's actually scriptural. James chapter 1, verse 14, it says, let everybody be quick to hear. Everybody say quick to hear. Slow to speak. Slow to anger. In other words, before you say, how many of y'all know a lot of times we get heated and we start talking real loud and real fast? 
Or if we get nervous, we start talking a lot, start talking real fast. James said here, he says, you need to be slow to speak. Because if you believe it in your heart and you say it with your mouth, things are set in motion that are really powerful. Recently, and I've, I, I struggle with this, you know, I'll leave, I'll, I'll close the service down like we're having here, and I'll be driving home, and I'll just think it was the worst service in the whole world. I'll just think, oh, God, it's the worst service in the whole world. I'm such an idiot. It's the worst. I don't even know why I preach. I should just sew my lips shut. It's just the worst preacher in the whole wide world. And uh, so, so, so then, you know, I would call my wife, you know, and uh, I mean, the Lord get on to me. He said, you better watch that because you believe that in your heart. And you say in that with your mouth, you're going to eat the fruit of that. You would be better off not saying anything. Just don't say nothing. But you can't just live by not saying nothing because that's not faith. Faith is calling those things that be not as though they were. But you're better off just not saying nothing. But what I'm trying to get you to do is just say, Jesus is Lord. Right? So once I get out of this message, I'm driving home. No matter what I'm thinking on the inside, I'm going to say, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus, Jesus is master. He's king. He's it. You got to watch because if you believe it in your heart, not just the salvation scripture, not just closing a service. If you believe it in your heart, you confess it with your mouth. There's power there. You got to really, 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 really slow down your speaking. Just slow it down. Put the brakes on. This will really help your marriage. It'll really help you with your kids. I've had to learn this the hard way because I just want to do to teach my kids the way my daddy did me. But my daddy didn't always do it right. My mama didn't always do it right. And I haven't always done it right. But how many of y'all who knows how to do it right? The Holy Spirit, he knows how to do it right. So the second one is, is listen to your spirit. Be slow, slow to anger, slow to speak and listen to the Holy Spirit. That's why he get, that's why you're there. That's why he's there. Jesus said, he says, it's to your benefit that I'm going to go away. Because whenever I go away, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He's not just going to be with you, but he's going to move in you. And he's going to teach you and tell you everything you need to know. And he actually says, you'll need not that any man teach you, but the spirit of truth that abides in you. He will tell you what to do. Jesus said it like this. Jesus said, everywhere I go, I go where the Father tells me to go. Everything I do, I do what the Father tells me to do. And everything I say, I say what the Father tells me to say. How many of y'all think he's pretty successful? Think he, I think he turned out okay. Head of his class, I bet. Pretty smart. Ivy League guy. Pretty, pretty sharp guy. How's he so sharp? He, he tells you. He gives you the secret. How many of y'all glad he tells you the secret? Everybody wants to know what the secret sauce is. Jesus tells you exactly what the secret sauce is. He says, the secret sauce, he says, I'm tempted in every way just like you are, and yet I sin not. I endured all the temptations, not just because I'm the Messiah. He says, I just, I, I listen to the Spirit. The last one is you have to control your flesh. Control your flesh. And the flesh is just the part of you that just lacks self-control sometimes. But if you'll listen to your spirit, I mean, I know that if you connect your mouth to your spirit... To your heart, you'll speak words of faith, hope, and love. If you connect your mouth to your soul, and that's where the enemy plays around, then you'll say a bunch of stuff you don't have any business saying. But the last one is, is, is control your flesh. I got this fact off of Fox Business. Uh, in 2012, they came out with this survey, survey. It said 81% of employees question your professionalism when you use profanity. It shows lack of control, lack of maturity, and even lack of intelligence in their eyes. The higher up the ladder you go, you'll have to be able to handle tough situations 
with measured reactions. I just don't know why I don't get the promotion. Well, I don't know. According to 81% of employers, 8 out of 10 feel like if you can't control your mouth, you probably can't control a lot of other things. And I'm not saying that's step on your toes. I'm just reading, uh, reading a statistic here that I thought was interesting. That, that, that we have to control our flesh. If we'll slow down, if we'll listen to the Holy Spirit, he'll always have you speak words of faith, words of hope, words of love. And then you can say to a mountain, be thou removed, cast into the sea, not doubt in your heart, but believe those things which you say it. It shall come to pass, and you shall have whatsoever you saith. Mm-hmm.